I start to put tension on my string drawback. I was like, okay, I'm going to smoke. It's him. You can look at the horns when he's dead. I'm, I'm in, you know, in the zone. Let the arrow go. Just perfect. Uh, when they lose their front shoulders and yeah, you start, yeah, that's how you know there's smoke. Went about five, ten more yards. He probably went 20 yards. A little tipped over, tried getting back up. And I saw him fall over. We rough scored him here in the garage that night. We got like 156 and something like that. And then then the next day we came up to 163 even. You're listening to the White Cat Outdoors podcast, bringing you to the table where we talk about the outdoors. Before I even say one word about the episode it's like this seven. week. What? It's like seven words. I said before I say one word about the episode, oh. I'm going to thank you guys for making the merch big hit. You know, we just launched it last week, told you guys about it in the previous podcast, hasn't been out too long, and you guys have been killing it, buying stuff left and right, so we really, really appreciate the support on the merch. Hope you guys are loving it. If you guys have any issues, please let us know so we can try to get it resolved for you. So far, no one has had any, but if you do, let us know, and... Yeah, thanks so much for buying it. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Yeah, can't thank you guys enough. It's been pretty awesome. So, episode 57 today. That's yes. 57 or 56 podcasts you've already tuned into. Um, and if you've been following along since the beginning, probably a pretty good chance that you guys all killed your target bucks this year. Um, so, congratulations on that. Absolutely. Um, but hunting season's over, um, and we're back to phase one, or square one, of deer season. Season's over, and it's time to plan for the next year. Your target buck's dead, and it's time to find a new buck to target this year. Wow. I already found mine. Really? Yeah. Congratulations, Tommy. You're ahead of the ball, and that's why we got you as a host on this podcast. Yep. Ahead of the ball? I think it's ahead of the game? Yeah. Some people are ahead of the game, and if you're really ahead, you're ahead of the ball, too. I think you're, if you're ahead of the game, you're farther ahead of the ball, because the ball hasn't even made it to the mm. field yet. Well, that's for the listeners to decide. <laughs> I suppose it is. <laughs> Anyways... Um, one of the biggest things you can do to try and locate another buck that you'd like to kill is shed hunting. Um, shed hunting is a fun thing to pick up between deer season and turkey season, but it also helps you locate bucks that made it um, through last year's hunting season and maybe pick if you want to pursue that buck. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, sorry, you know, a lot of people find sheds bucks that they had pictures of. So yeah, you, so it, it's you know the bucks part of the timeline. And, yep. Yeah, you try to put it together to figure out if he made it. Yeah, and I, I've been shed hunting for a few years, and I'm a struggling shed hunter. Um, I put a lot of miles with not a lot of success. So I didn't think it made a whole lot of sense for us to sit around here and just talk amongst ourselves about shed hunting. Um, I figured I'd call in an expert. Uh, our buddy Luke Moyer, he was on the podcast last year um, from killing his monster buck um, on his property. But not only does he kill big bucks, he finds a ton of sheds. Um, he'll give us the exact number, but I'm pretty sure he found somewhere around 80 sheds last year. Yeah. We talked about it on the last podcast, but we didn't really get way into no, not shed, shed hunting, hunting tactics. Mm-hmm. It was pretty much all about the big buck that he killed and we just touched on shed hunting. So we wanted to get him back in and really drive home the point of shed hunting and the benefits of it and how he does it since he yeah. is so successful at it. Yeah. So without further ado, why don't, uh, we'll, uh, give him a call and we'll get him on here. All right, we got our buddy Luke Moyer on the phone. Uh, welcome back, Luke. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, no problem. Um, I know the last time we had you on, we were talking about you know your big buck you killed. Um, 
in archery season. Um, we touched a little bit on your shed hunting, and I know we, we were pretty brief, and I know we talked about coming back to it. And as hunting season wraps up, I, we figured it would be a good time to jump back into shed hunting because I know that that season is just around the corner. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's coming up quick, and uh, <laughs> I know a lot of times I'm looking, you know, middle of bow season, I'm looking forward more to uh, shed hunting than I am anything else. Yeah, you just skip right over rifle season and get right to shed season. <laughs> That's it, yep, yep. So roughly about what time of year uh, do you start heading out in the woods for sheds? Uh, so typically when I like to start, um, uh, the way I do it, I have I uh, shed hunt a lot of public property uh, too throughout the state and multiple states, but uh, a lot of public, and I'll try to save my uh, private pieces for last, uh, you know, the areas that I'm hunting and stuff like that. I'll try to wait till uh normally if i start on public i'll start mm, last week of january first week of february um mostly because you know some of them are dropping like you hear every year in december you know their sheds dropping and january rolls along people are picking them up you're seeing pictures online you start getting excited uh so more than anything i like to get out on public uh last week of january or first week of february just to kind of stretch the legs uh maybe pick up some old ones the you know the year's previous sheds look for deadheads, you know, just stuff like that. And every now and then you'll stumble into a couple freshies early. Um, so I normally start then. Um, and then when I do, I'll normally wait until usually the first or second week of March before I start hitting any of my private pieces. And then I'll go straight up into April. Okay. Um, I, I just, I noticed, you know, there's already guys posting pictures of sheds dropped and stuff. And I always feel like you can almost like you can get, I, at least I feel like I could get discouraged by going out too early um, and not really having much of a yield from doing so. Right. It, uh, going out this early can definitely be misleading. You might get lucky, but uh, don't let the pictures fool you, in my opinion. Uh, here in Pennsylvania, anyway, I mean, it's a little bit too early. Uh, you might you might get lucky and stumble into one, but you certainly can count on 80% or 85% of the bucks still holding onto their antlers for now. So when would you say is like a a ballpark of when the majority of the bucks are have lost their antlers is it like that late february early march i would think third week of february would be a good time to start um if you know if you're just going out and just starting i think third week of february would be a good time to start because i know i've heard um like people seeing bucks with racks on their heads in like saint patrick's day but i don't know if that's just like a, i think that's a rarity a rare thing that like rifle season guys have seen bucks that had already shed so i think it's it can happen but i think luke what luke's getting at is uh just like the majority should be dropped by that end of february mm-hmm. yeah every every year we uh i tend to run into bucks that are still showing up on my camera in uh late march and april normally the little ones um but you can tell their antlers are all sun bleached because they're not rubbing them anymore they're just carrying them around up top so they're real real white antlers and still hanging on to them somehow and uh yeah it's just you know most of them are normally dropped by the end of february beginning of march but not all of them some of them are going to hang on to them for a little extra long uh some of them will even hold on to them until the new antler growth actually pops it off uh but that's not certainly not as common is that typically a smaller uh rack that'll do that because i've never seen that but i would think if there's like a lack of weight on top of their heads um they would maybe tend to hold on to them longer or maybe not drop that second one when the first yeah, one drops. 
normally the ones that I see that are still holding on that later spikes are a little three or four pointers. That's about it. I've never seen uh, an actual rack buck hold on to anything past the first or second week of March. Do you think the severity of the winter has anything to do with how quickly bucks shed their antlers? Uh, I do, uh, to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, like I know, uh, I'm located down by the Lehigh Valley. Um, so I have yet to even see, I just pulled cameras the other night and I was looking at about 15 different buck and only one buck was missing an antler. And it's because I know he broke it off during archery because he's still got two inches of base on there. Um, so they're all still packing, but I'm seeing a lot of guys and a lot of my friends that I'm talking to up North are picking up a number of sheds and they're, you know, they're sending me pictures of deer that have shed already. And there's, you know, it's go time for them. Um, but that's because when we had that early snow, this is my opinion, um, they got a lot of snow up there, uh, you know, up in Tioga and Bradford area. There was a lot of snow this year in that one storm. And I definitely think that had an impact on the deer's ability to uh, get to food. And, you know, once those deer even start, you know, they get a little bit out of the normal and any extra energy that they have, they're not going to send it up there anymore. Um, they're just going to be shedding those antlers a little bit earlier. That makes a lot of sense. Um, definitely with like that heavy winter that the central part of the state got hit with. Um, we didn't right. really see it up here in like the Northwest region as we got bad. A, quite a bit of Christmas. We got around two feet on Christmas, but yeah, other than but that, that I mean, we, we have gone really, a couple weeks after yeah. that. Yeah. And we haven't had a whole lot other than like you said, just the one storm. It's been pretty right. mild. And where, well, what I believe, oh, what I believe happens when that, you know, when we get big snowstorms and stuff like that is these deer that aren't used to that, you know, and especially the last few years in Pennsylvania has been really hit or miss with snow at all. Um, but what happens is this time of year, there's deer still, you'll see deer still making scrapes. There's bucks that still have testosterone in their body. Uh, but when there's a lack of food and they begin to become stressed over that, uh, the fact that they can't get food, they start getting skinnier and times are getting a little bit hard. Their testosterone drops. And when they stop rubbing on trees and making scrapes and their testosterone goes down, then those antlers will pop right off. It's the same reason that they, uh, same reason that they shed their velvet is because right there at the end of summer, they get a big boost in testosterone and that's what makes them shed their velvet. And that's also what makes them a lot of times go nocturnal and turn into completely different animals. Uh, just that hormone. And the same thing happens when they get a little bit stressed out. They, you know, big drop in their testosterone and their antlers will pop right off. It's funny you bring that up about them stressing and losing their antlers because Tom and I have talked about this a little bit because over the past couple of years we've known three or four people that have, you know, like gut shot deer or like haven't had a good hit on them and they've left them overnight and the next day they go to get them and they'll pop the antlers off when they go to drag it out of the woods. And we're like, well, is it because cause all of them have been in rifle season? So we're like, well, maybe it's just later for the deer and they're wanting to shed anyway or if it's the stress of what they're going through after being shot for those 24 hours or whatever that you know forces them to pop those antlers off if it's the stress or if it's just the time of year we've been talking about that quite a bit so for you to bring up the stress thing kind of makes a connection for me yeah and i'm not really sure how long it takes for them to develop that little crack around their pedicle uh, I'm not sure if that happens in a week or if that can happen overnight. So I, I really don't know as far as that goes. Um, but I definitely, um, there was a 10-pointer last year that I had on camera. He was a two-year-old deer, um, really young, but, I mean, beautiful rack for a two-year-old. And he got wounded during archery. Somebody slocked him right in the shoulder. 
And uh, there for a while, I didn't think he was going to make it. He really thinned down. He got a big infection sack on the side of his shoulder, and he wasn't looking good. Uh, so I was kind of more expecting to find him dead. Um, but come, I mean, we had just gotten into rifle season, and he already shed his antlers. I found his match set because he was wounded. And uh, I firmly believe that's why he shed his antlers early was because he was wounded and he was really stressed out about the injury and really just trying to recover. So he had a big drop in testosterone. He wasn't worried about running or running around anymore. He was more worried about survival, and that's the reason his antlers popped off. Have you had any encounters with this buck since rifle season? Are you confident that he made it through and has a full recovery? Yep. Now, this, was, uh, this wasn't this past archery season. This was last year, and he came back this year as a 150. Very nice. Yep, so he recovered well. <laughs> yes, he did. I was actually really surprised to uh, to see him come back as a typical again, but he did, and he's got his scar. Um, but, yeah, he, he came back a beautiful deer. Yeah, that is odd because I've heard um, a lot of stories where, like, a a deer gets hit by a vehicle or something or by an arrow, and I've heard that a lot of the times the antler on the opposite side of the injury becomes, like, super crazy the following year yeah i've heard that i've heard that quite a bit too uh i've never actually encountered that myself but i've definitely heard of that happening yeah so i want to change a little bit here we're kind of getting a little bit off of the uh uh shed talk um but you had mentioned you know that you save your um your own properties that you hunt uh for you know later in the year when most likely all of them have dropped at that point um if you could just take us through a day you know start to finish on what you're doing when you decide you're going to go out uh, shed hunting, you know, say on a Saturday or after work. Um, okay. Um, so basically, uh, typically I won't, I'll, I'll do solo shed hunts every now and then. Uh, but typically I have one friend come along with me. That's just as much into it as I am. And, uh, we kind of like to conquer and divide and, uh, hit properties pretty quickly. Uh, it doesn't really matter who finds them. We're just happy to have a pile at the end of the day. So what we'll do is, you know, we do a lot of online scouting, too, so uh, we'll kind of pick points of where we like to be, um, especially one thing I'd like to throw in here is uh, bucks like to be up high, uh, especially later in the year like now. They like to be on high knobs, high rises, and stuff like that where they can see everything's dead. Um, there's a, you know, a high, the air is real thin, there's a high visibility window, uh, so they like to be up high where they can, you know, kind of watch out around them a lot more. Uh, so typically what we do, um, you know, like the night before we go and hit a property, we'll go online, uh, we'll go on Onyx, and we'll pick out, you know, an elevation on the top of maps, we'll pick out the highest point on the property, we'll drop a pin there, and, um, you know, any river bottoms, we really like crick and river bottoms, um, the lower spots too, you know, for any cruising that could have been done, any break-offs, anything like that, you'll find deadheads down there. So we'll do all that. Um, the next morning when we get to wherever we're going, uh, typically we'll make a plan. Um, we never stay together. We always split up. So we'll kind of divide the property into a half and figure out how we're going to do it. Um, but we always make a plan about how we're going to do it. Um, because oftentimes what happens if we don't is, you know, you'll be walking and you'll be like, Oh, you'll look to your left and you're like, Oh, that looks like a shed over there. So you'll go over there. And instead of going back to the path that you were on, you'll just start to aimlessly wander. Um, and we found that that's hurt us because we'll come back the original way that we were supposed to and we'll end up picking up antlers where we hadn't walked earlier in the day yet we were supposed to. So um, I think making a plan uh, and, you know, strictly staying on that plan is a pretty important piece of advice uh, to do it successfully, you know. Uh, pick a path, you know, pick your S pattern, whatever pattern you want to walk in, uh, but stick to it. 
And obviously, if you see an antler or you think you see an antler off to your left or right, you know, you know, if you know, when in doubt, check it out. You're obviously going to want to go over and make sure that it is or isn't an antler. Um, but go back to your path, make a plan, and follow that. And then whatever you miss, um, you know, go back through, and you can just kind of intermittently hit that. Uh, but when you make a plan and you pick points on a property that you really want to check out, it's really good to do that. So um, you're saying that like your high points are some of your favorite uh, spots on like a piece of property to look for sheds? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, typically what I'll do is, you know, a high spot's going to be incorporated with a ridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so typically what I'll do is when we're making our plan, I'll kind of just try and drop waypoints going up the side of the ridge or up the face of a ridge, or especially if the ridge has a bench on it. Um, because benches, normally the top or the second down bench on a big ridge uh, tends to be just, I, I've had so much luck up on those benches uh, with picking up sheds. I don't know why, the bucks just love it up there. And uh, so I'll normally, I'll do up the side of a ridge or I'll follow benches up kind of like an S until I get to the top. And normally on the top, I'll usually find antlers and buck beds up there. So you were talking about dropping waypoints as you're on your way up. Do you drop a waypoint wherever you find a shed? I just talked yes, about before. Oh, okay, that too. Yeah. Uh, do you like? Have you noticed at all that like where you drop a waypoint from last year, two years ago? Do you find sheds basically in the same spot right around that waypoint? It's pretty wild, but actually, yes. Um, there's one buck in particular that I can tell you about. Uh, I have to send a picture over. You guys will like this a lot. Um, back in, I want to say, what is it? It's 2021 now. So, uh, going back to, I think 2016, um, we hit this small piece of patch of woods. It's 11 acres. All right. That's all this patch of woods is surrounded by ag fields. Uh, there's a big quarry on the backside. Uh, it's very small patch, but as we're walking through it, I stumbled across this match set underneath a uh, honeysuckle bush. It was an eight pointer and he had a small kicker growing off of his right side base. So, you know, that was cool. We were happy that we found it. Um, we came back the next year and we found his right side and it was the same buck, undoubtedly just bigger. I mean, it was almost to a T exactly the same antler, just bigger proportionally about 30 yards from where we found the match set the year before in the same 11 acres. So the next year we couldn't hit it. Um, just because, uh, my buddy that normally goes with me, he had moved out to Utah for work. So come to the following year after that, which would be three years after I originally found the match set he came back for shed season so we went out and we you know we did all our other properties and we decided we would go hit this one again well we found his big match set again as whatever you know however old this deer was we weren't allowed to hunt this only shed hunt it um but we found the old set they were a little bit chewed up but we found the old set from the year we didn't shed hunt it and then we found the new set from that year again and all of these sheds are from the same exact deer just every year he just got incrementally bigger and bigger and bigger as he got older but he was dropping them relatively i mean honestly within 50 yards of where i found that match set the very first year that's pretty incredible Um, which yeah it was i mean it's it's super special we like to go back there every year we know you know he's not going to make it forever but uh it's fun to go back and think that his sheds are going to be there again you know for sure yeah you'll definitely know when he's not around anymore (laughs) yeah so no, those deer definitely, uh, they certainly like to hang out in the same areas. As long as they're not pressured out of an area, uh, I firmly believe they'll come back to the same area every single year when it comes to be this time. Well, that makes sense. I've heard that, like, as they get older, too, their home range gets smaller. Um, so, you know, maybe have something to do with why you're finding the sheds in the same locations. But it's a good point to bring up. 
to mark them on your Onyx, you know, and I think they actually have a shed icon, don't they? Yes. Yep. So that's pretty unique for that. Um, beyond just like finding like the elevation on properties, do you, you know, I said, you, you know, you said you're going, you know, maybe that top two thirds of the, uh, ridge, like does, does like the South facing slopes have anything to do with, um, finding sheds or, um, what other, I guess, like terrain features, whether it's, you know, like ag fields or like, or is that more wooded areas that you're going to find them on the high elevation pieces? So, um, so as far as South facing slopes go, um, here in Pennsylvania, uh, like out in South Dakota last year, uh, I did a week's worth of shed hunting out there and, uh, we picked up a lot of sheds on the South facing slopes. Um, but they, they face pretty extreme weather every year. Uh, here in Pennsylvania, I'll tell you, I really don't have that much luck on south-facing slopes unless there's benches like I was talking about, which to me seems more like where the deer just likes to hang out as opposed to, you know, the sun shining on the south-facing side. Gotcha. Um, typically what I've noticed is that south-facing slopes and deer hang, really hanging out there this time of year seems to be for more uh, areas like Wisconsin, Minnesota, upstate New York, places where they get a lot more snow and a lot harsher weather. So they really need that sunlight. Um, you know, they're going to want to be where the snow melts the fastest so they can get to the food, and they're going to want to be where they can be the warmest uh, thermally. So I don't really think in Pennsylvania, just the way our winters have been, um, that our south-facing slopes really matter uh, just because, you know, they've been pretty mild. Um, now, maybe the same isn't true for northern Pennsylvania, um, but down here where I'm at, uh, it just doesn't seem to make a difference for me. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think with having like the harsher weather, that would make a lot more sense than somewhere that's a little bit more mild. Um, right. Now, with your elevation um, tactic, does that is that for wooded areas, or even if you've got big ag fields, does like do they tend like I know like do they tend to stay in like the higher sides of the fields or does or any part of a field uh, good for shed hunting? Uh, I was referring more to uh, wooded areas, um, you know, like your typical white oak ridges and stuff like that. Especially if you can find yourself getting into cedar patches uh i do really good for whatever reason um you know we have quite a few cedar trees but they're mostly in bunches and uh i typically find a lot of find a lot of sheds around those cedar trees i know they love rubbing on them they love scraping underneath of them and they definitely just like to be around them for whatever reason they like it uh so i do good that but as far as the elevation um yeah i was referring more to you know wooded areas uh but in fields um, I have the most luck. I, I find sheds out in the middle of fields, uh, right out. I mean, it, it could be random, um, but I do a lot better in uh, almost like what, you know, like CRP around the edges, um, maybe where an edge just isn't mowed, like those transition areas, you know, between the hardwood and the field. Uh, I tend to do really good there. And uh, if, you're, if you're talking about fields where you don't have very many woods around, I'll find a lot of them in the stone rows too. They'll just, you know, they'll just jump over stone rows, walk along stone rows. They don't tend to just aimlessly wander across the field for no reason, you know. So they'll kind of follow where you don't have woods and you just have a lot of blotchy fields. They'll tend to follow those stone rows or those ditches, and you'll find a lot of sheds there. That makes sense. I mean, very rarely do you see, you know, during hunting season anyway, like a big buck walking out through the center of a huge ag field. It's always, you know, they work the edge in daylight anyway. I mean nighttime might be a little bit different but it seems like they spend the majority of their time on the edges rather than out in the middle 
Right. And maybe, you know, that might not be true for cornfields um, because, you know, those deer just scatter all over them. Um, but as far as something that's mowed, you know, say your cornfield, the stalks have been mowed or it's just a dead bean field, you know, then uh, what I was saying would be, would be true. But uh, out in cornfields, it's it could be a toss-up, really. Uh, what Do you use, like, binoculars or anything as well while you're shed hunting? Um, I know uh, we typically do, but I didn't know if you found that that benefits you or while you're shed hunting at all. Uh, yes, I do bring binoculars with me, and that's saved me a lot of energy, a lot of energy over the years. I mean, uh, you see something 100 yards away that you swear is a time sticking up, and instead of walking down there, you know, you could just look and be like, oh, no, that's obviously not a shed, you know, um, energy-wise. But also, it, it kind of, I bring them with me kind of more so to keep myself on my plan, you know, on my trail that I decided I wanted to walk. Um, it kind of prevents me from wandering off. I'll stay on that path and anything I think. I'll pull up the binos. If I still can't tell, then I'll walk over. Uh, but they definitely help me kind of stay narrow-minded and stay the way I was going. Yeah, that makes sense. I kind of want to jump back for a second when you were talking about, like, finding sheds, like, on the edges of fields between, like, you know, in, like, the transition areas. Because mm-hmm. typically when I used to, and I'm like I said, I'm not a good shed hunter. I've struggled over the years to find a lot of sheds, but like during the season you would find deer in you know thick heavy bedding so i would always kind of just use that train of thought to think okay well if that's where the deer are hanging out i'm gonna find the sheds and thick heavy bedding and it seems like from talking to people and maybe you'll have some more insight on this that that's not always the best spot to find sheds because this time of year they're kind of trying to make their life easier and get out of that thick heavy shit yeah that's that's exactly i mean you hit the nail on the head there um, everybody thinks that, you know, going through these grapevine thickets or these briar patches are going to be the best places because everybody thinks that, you know, something grabbing the hold of the antler will jar it off. Yeah. Well, like you said, uh, a deer doesn't want to struggle this time of year. Um, as it is, you know, they're already struggling to find food, stay warm. And, uh, you know, so they don't necessarily want to, um, a lot of times they're just going to pick the path of least resistance. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. It's funny, you'll go on a shed hunt and, you know, you'll go, you'll crawl through the thick stuff all day and then on the way back to the truck, be crossing the field and they're on the edge of the field out in the wide open for no reason, nothing bumped it off, but there's a shed. Yeah. And you have to wonder why, but that's why. I mean, you hit it perfect. Uh, they just don't like to struggle with that kind of stuff. So, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm sure you can find them in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have crawled through a lot of thickets for very little sheds over the years. Yeah, that's where I've always thought, you know, I've spent most of my time shed hunting is in that thick shit and just recently i've kind of come to that train of thought talking to different people that i've i don't want to say i've been wasting my time but i definitely could have been using my time more efficiently it's definitely been a flaw in my thinking that that's where i'm gonna find sheds right yeah and even just the sheds that we found last year i know one was right in like a cedar thicket um and the one i found with uh with hank was just like on just on the edge of a small ridge i mean it wasn't like a very tall ridge but it was like the highest point um, in that area I was in. Right. Um, you know, like I know for us, like I'm happy with, um, you know, one or two sheds in a season. I feel like I've accomplished something. Um, and I know you're quite a bit ahead of that. Um, I mean, I guess what's, I mean, on average, I know you're way higher than us, but what's been some of your more productive years, um, since you got more serious with it? Uh, last year was one of my best for sure. Um, I think, 2018 
uh, was a close second. Um, I don't know why. I don't know what the reasoning is for that. Uh, but last year I ended up with 84 sheds and 78 of them being in Pennsylvania. Uh, and the rest, one from Iowa and the rest in South Dakota. So last year was a really good year, and 2018 was a very close second to that. I think it was like 72 or 73. And roughly, like I know you said that the majority of those were PA sheds. Um, roughly how many were like match sets? Uh, if you I, know that I believe often. I only came up with three or four match sets last year. Oh, okay. Now, and then yeah. for match sets, or match sets, sorry, uh, are you using just like characteristics of the antlers or are you basing that off of like trope camera pictures? Um, like how are you or just how close you found them yeah. together? Yeah, that too. How am I matching them up? Yeah. Uh, so basically, uh, one of the bucks that I matched up last year was on my trail camera. Um, I watched him pretty religiously hoping that he would make it through, hoping I would find his sheds. And I ended up finding them close to 400 yards apart. Um, but I mean, you, you couldn't mistake it. I had them on camera, you know, it was, uh, obvious, but typically, um, their pedicles and the color of their antlers will give it away. Um, I mean, a, a buck, their pedicles are typically going to be the same size unless you have some kind of freak nasty buck. Um, but you'll also notice that even though you're in the same area, a lot of bucks will have different colored antlers. So, um, you'll pick up one antler and then you'll pick up another. And if, you know, if the tint is off even just a little bit, it's probably not the match set. Um, if you have a buck that has a pedicle the size of a half dollar and then one the size of a quarter, it's not going to be a match set. Um, that's just typically how they are. You know, everything's very, their antlers might not look the same, but if the color is the same and the pedicles are the same size, you're usually looking at a match. Okay. Cause I, I, I see a lot of people post on social media and stuff of like, you know, a very generic looking, you know, four on one side, four on the other. And they're like, it seems like everybody's saying that they're finding several match sheds, like match sets every year, but there's really, I mean, some of them, like I said, like the color is totally off. Um, and I was just curious how you're going about looking at them and deciding that they are match sets. And obviously a trail cam picture is probably the, a surefire way. Um, but I, I guess it makes sense. Um, the, just the color of the rack, because you know, you, I could see three or four bucks in a night and all of them are going to have a different shade, you know? Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Do yeah, they you, definitely, oh. uh, they definitely only have their own characteristics. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut no, you off. No, there. you're good. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was just saying that they definitely, every buck is, uh, definitely has its own characteristics of its rack. Um, you know, you might pick up one and then you might pick up another and think, oh, you know, I think it could be a match set, you know? But if you do pick up that match, you'll be like, boom, that's the match. You'll know it. You'll know it right away. It's, there is a, pretty much if you have to guess about it, it's probably not a match. Gotcha. I got uh, two questions for you. One being, um, do you use trail cams at all to help you out during shed season? Um, not too much. Uh, I saw a story one time about somebody that was kind of trying to uh, triangulate a buck and they were able to find his sheds. Um, they knew which way he was accessing this field, um, and they knew where he was bedding. You know, this is all hearsay and from what I saw um, from this story. But basically what they did was they hung three different cameras to try and triangulate his movements, and they got a picture of him on the first camera with both antlers. They got a picture of him on the second camera with both, and then they got a picture of him on the third with one. So they went back between the second and third camera and picked up his antler because based on their cameras, he dropped that. 
Um, I tried it one time. I, I didn't have any luck with that. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a lot more difficult, I think, than it, uh, than it comes out to be, you know. But um, I like to have cameras out and just check periodically to see on my private properties what bucks have dropped, what haven't. Um, you know, and if I'm not seeing any bucks with rack on it, I'm seeing a lot with pedicles or uh, burrs, uh, I'll start going out then. Um, but I don't really use them too much to, you know, try and find a particular set of antlers. But for a timeline, I, I like to look at it. Um, okay. Like like the end of February, I'll check a camera on a private property, and that will kind of tell me if I should wait another week. You know, if I if half the bucks on camera still have antlers or even one, I'll wait. I'll wait until uh, you know, I'm not getting anything but little ones with antlers still on. Yeah, that makes sense. Another question I have for you is, you Tom said still the, had, oh, you, I yeah, Tom you said had two. two my bad, my bad. Tom, <laughs> well, I, please, I got a few, take but, it away. Um, <laughs> I've heard, um, I don't know if there's any truth behind this or not, like, I'm not a seasoned shed hunter, but I've heard a lot of people say, um, after a rain and on, like, overcast days um, is a good time to go, because I don't, I don't know if there's any truth behind it or not, but when the antlers are wet, uh, they really pop and stick out a lot more against the ground and i guess i don't know if it's true or not but i've also heard the sun can kind of glare your vision and make it harder to find shed so i've from what i've heard after a rain and on overcast is one of the better times to be able to see sheds in the woods and i just didn't know if you had any input behind that uh definitely like 100 percent um basically when you go shed hunting right after the rain or during the rain which a lot of times we'll go right in the pouring rain um they it's essentially like glow in the dark uh it's essentially like being pitch black and having glow in the dark antlers out there that's how much they pop out for you um they yeah they stand right out it's amazing how much of a difference that makes you can walk past an antler 10 times uh during on a sunny day but in the rain bam it'll it'll smack you right in the face you can see that you know your peripheral vision from 100 yards away um yeah, it helps a lot. Uh, sunny days, um, typically, and I think it has something to do with, too, the way, you know, everything kind of gets matted down from the rain. Everything lays flat. Um, on those sunny, crisp days, you know, the leaves are kind of curled up. Um, the leaves kind of have a shine to them. Everything glares back at you, uh, even a smooth branch. Everything shines, you know. Um, it's definitely, definitely harder to find them on a sunny day. Uh, in the rain, they jump right out at you. Yeah, that makes perfect sense, the The fact that the leaves are laying flat, because leaves get so fluffy when they're dry and crispy that they could definitely hide a lot of the stuff that you're looking for, and it wouldn't pop as well, they'd blend in a lot easier on dry leaves than wet leaves. Absolutely. I mean, you think all it takes is like two or three leaves to blow over a spike shed or a four-point shed, mm-hmm. um, and it's gone. You know, it's completely disappeared, so... You go on those rainy days, everything's laying real flat, and that white is just going to pop out. you like glow in the dark. And even if it's just a little piece of that antler showing, you'll see it. Um, so that definitely is a big, big help. Um, is there any truth to, uh, you know, on those sunny days? Because, I mean, like you said, you spent uh, a week in South Dakota shed hunting. And obviously, if you're out there to shed hunt, you're going to hunt, or you're going to look for sheds, whether it's, you know, sunny or raining. Um, is there any truth to um, putting the sun to your back, um, while looking for sheds, like, does that seem to help you when, like, looking in the woods or anything? Yeah, I should have mentioned that earlier. My bad. Um, when we make our plans, that's normally what we'll try to do. We'll try to incorporate, we'll try and figure out how long we think our shed hunt is going to take on this particular property and try and turn and gauge our paths based on what the sun's going to do. 
Um, it's definitely critical. You can't walk into the sun and try and find sheds. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna hurt you bad, you know. Um, definitely keep it to your back is gonna help you if it if you have to go on a bright sunshiny day. Which I mean, you know, the weather is really nice on those days. You want to get outside, uh, even though it makes shed hunting harder. You still want to get out there. Um, but it's definitely, I think it's important to keep it to your back if you want to up your chances of trying to find them. Uh, if you were looking into the sun and you're, you know, you got your hat pulled down, I mean, that glare and the haze that it creates, it just, it makes it so much harder. Uh, so on top of like, I guess what's the average amount of, uh, distance you're going to walk on a day of shed hunting? Like do you typically hit several properties on one day? Yeah, well, normally it depends on the size of them, but we normally, uh, I don't shed hunt during the week at all because I work full time. So the only sheds I'm getting are on Saturday and Sundays uh, when I'm not working. And uh, you're normally looking at four, three or four properties, depending on the size of them, um, and normally 15 to 20 miles a day. Hmm. That's a lot. Do you hit uh, properties more than one time throughout the year? Yes. Um, all the public properties that we do, uh, in the beginning of the season that I was telling you about where I'll go back and look for old ones. Uh, I'll go back uh, on a weekend during March and just kind of skim through them. Um, I won't really take the time to make a plan for those ones uh, just because it's the end of the season. I'm kind of wearing down, and I just want to go back through and make sure I didn't miss too much, and I'll go back through and see if any more drop. Uh, I'll just hit those critical areas where I find sheds uh, that I have marked out on Onyx. I'll bounce from there to there to there to there. If there's nothing, then I'll get out of there. If there is then I'll start to scan a little more carefully. Do you often pick up sheds? Like, I don't know how to word this. So say you Second go in, on, I'm saying, yeah, you go in the first time and find a shed in one area. How often do you go back a second time and find sheds in the same, from it, obviously from a different buck in the same area? Pretty rarely. I'll be honest. Yeah. Pretty rarely. Um, every now and then, uh, but pretty seldom. Yeah. So do you think there are sheds that, like, you missed or that have dropped in? I mean, obviously that would depend on the time of year that you started looking, but do you think that there are ones that you've missed the first time you went through or there are ones that have dropped since? Uh, I think the ones that I do find are ones that have dropped since. And uh, being that I only hit my private properties once and the public properties twice, uh, I think that there's other shed hunters out there uh, just because it's becoming so popular now. Um, so I try not to get too worried about it. You know, um, I think other people go through and kind of scoop some up, uh, while I'm away, you know, after I hit that, somebody will go back in February when I'm starting to do my privates, uh, and then they'll start picking them up and, you know, they might miss one or two. And I think those are ones that have fallen since, but just haven't been found yet. Gotcha. Um, I noticed too, uh, one of the pictures you sent me over, uh, with all your sheds and stuff actually had an elk antler in there as well. Um, does your tactics for finding elk sheds differ from whitetail? Obviously, your location, um, but just the difference between finding those versus whitetail. Yeah, so that one I actually got. Um, I don't. I don't shed hunt for elk antlers. Uh, I haven't anyway yet, uh, besides out west. But that one was found in Pennsylvania, and uh, we were actually on our way out to Ohio, and we stopped in western Pennsylvania to look for deer sheds. Um, because there was a piece of public that we happened to be going past, and I'm like, oh, man, we kind of got to, we ought to jump out of the car real quick and hit that, you know? Uh, so we did, and that one just happened to be there. Um, so I can't really say one way or the other, um, just because I haven't done it. I hear 
shed hunting for elk sheds out we- or uh, out in western Pennsylvania can be a little crazy. Uh, so yeah, I've heard um, people pretty much follow them around until they drop. Like I heard, it's very difficult to find sheds yeah, in PA. I've heard of, you know, a lot of them have bullet holes in them of people trying to shoot them off. Uh, people following them, it just it sounds a little bit crazy. Uh, but I know out west, um, there is no difference in what we do. Um, but you kind of have to follow their migratory patterns, which I'm not too familiar with yet out west. Um, but, you know, obviously where they are during September when they're rutting is going to be very far from where they are in the winter, in their winter ranges. Uh, typically, I think they'll come down off the mountain. They'll come down low uh, for their late season. So normally where we're picking up deer sheds, we'll run into some elk. Okay. I've heard that, like, we haven't done a whole, actually any elk hunting out west, um, but they said, that, like, as it gets colder, they just keep moving further down the mountain, trying to get away from the frigid temps as, um, up at the peaks of the mountains. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty accurate. Uh, you can almost see it, um, the way the browse from up top, you know, everything that they browse on starts to die off as it gets colder and colder and colder up there. And so I think they just kind of step it down little by little uh, and just kind of follow the lifeline down uh, until they're down in the valleys and down in the river bottoms. I'm sure that applies for like elk and mule deer, or I'm sorry, not elk, but like whitetail and mule deer because they share a lot of the same habitat and they they do the same thing. They have, even though like whitetail aren't as migratory and herd animals as elk are, but I'm sure they still do roughly the same thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely, no doubt. So, um, I know out in South Dakota, um, there was we witnessed multiple herds of whitetails well over 100 deer, Wow, um, which, was, which was pretty phenomenal. That's obviously much different than it is here in Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, you don't um, usually see that in PA. <laughs> no, so, I mean, when we glass up a good river bottom and we can see 100 deer in a night, uh, we'll come back the next day, you know, they're all up to bed in their ridges, and we'll go out, and uh, it's nothing to pick up 30 or more sheds in two hours i mean they're just all the deer right there you know every night and they're just dropping they're all all dropping right there um it's a pretty special thing out west for sure so you traveled all the way out to south dakota um to shed hunt um and like you said that it it can vary quite a bit you know location wise where they're at in the late season where they're shedding versus where they would be at during hunting season um so when you're heading out there to shed hunt do you are you doing it for like you know future hunting purposes or just because you like shed hunting so much so um when i went out there last year uh my trip started in iowa um i wanted to shed hunt iowa for multiple years so i just decided to pull the trigger and go out and do it uh so i took a week off work and i went out there and uh, i talked to multiple landowners uh one i found that um they're not too kind to out-of-staters uh they're not very fond of us Uh, so yeah, I've definitely uh, obtain, seen that all over the place out west. <laughs> yeah. Obtaining uh, private land was very difficult. Um, although I did see multiple bucks that already had, there still had racks on them. Um, and every public land parcel I went to, and every single one, there was boot tracks and dog tracks uh, everywhere. I mean, everywhere. Uh, so I spent two days there trying to locate standing cornfields way back on these public pieces. Uh, one I found I thought for sure was going to be dynamite. Um, I got to the cornfield, and I'm talking this was probably two and three-quarter miles from where uh, the park was, where I parked. And uh, every single corn row had been walked up and down with dog tracks and boot tracks. So at that point, I'm assuming somebody's got a shed dog out there, and they're really looking for sheds. Um, so that that's why I went to South Dakota. Um, although 
I knew I was going out there this year, so it kind of worked as a, I could have turned around and came home and found sheds at home, but I decided, you know, why not? It's eight more hours to go out to South Dakota and, you know, where I'm going to be hunting just to shed hunt around there for a couple of days. So that's what I decided to do. Um, but what I noticed and uh, all those areas that I picked up mule deer sheds last year out there, uh, I went back this year to bow hunt it and did not locate any mule deer in those areas at all not even one um so i definitely think the migratory aspect of it has a huge role in it um where you see them in hunting season is not necessarily where you're going to find the sheds if you go back so that you're talking like out west with that or midwest um where there's a lot more terrain and stuff so do, right. you, do you typically see that same sort of behavior? Because we were talking before, like how the lifeline is dropping down where the brows and stuff are dying. Do you typically see that same sort of activity around here in PA where you're finding sheds isn't necessarily where you're going to hunt? Or is it a little bit different because of the geography and the location? Uh, I definitely think it's a little bit different uh, here in Pennsylvania. Uh, just because everything kind of seems very crowded. The land parcels are small. Um, there's a lot more agriculture here and everything's kind of, I don't know, everything seems so close together here. So the deer seem to stay, uh, if they find a spot that they like to be, um, they'll stay there. Um, typically a buck that I'm chasing in archery season, I can go back to the same, you know, whatever it is, 30 or 40 or 50 acres and find his sheds on that piece of land, uh, come this time of year. So as long as there's food, I don't think around here they wander too far as long as they're comfortable on that property. Um, certainly not you know and on the spectrum as it is out west yeah i could definitely understand that do you ever find like sheds from bucks on your private property that you had no idea you ever had you never got trail cam pics of them or you never saw them while hunting or anything like that yeah every year uh every year that ends up happening somehow uh <laughs> it's it's always kind of peculiar because i have i run cameras almost year-round very close to and uh it's kind of weird to picture a deer slipping through the cracks but it happens every year we find sheds from deer that we had no idea even existed now are those typically uh like potential shooters for you or is it you know maybe uh, like a younger class deer like i guess what age class is typically slipping through the cracks for you i think two or three times we found uh sheds that would have been a shooter uh, one of them being uh, 160 to 170 class deer. I never did score his sheds, but they're they're monstrous. They're absolutely huge. And uh, I never got one trail camera picture of him. I decided that next year I was going to dedicate to trying to kill him if I could find him. And I never did find him. I, I have no idea where the deer came from. I mean, he came and went just as fast as I found his sheds. Uh, it was like he never even existed. It was <laughs> shed dropped from the sky. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was very strange. And it was a mat. You know, I found the match, so it was. I thought Holy for sure, smokes. you know, that deer is going to be here somewhere, but I never did see him. Hmm. Um, and, you know, I, in my opinion, around here, anyway, the way we live around here, um, a deer like that, you know, gets killed the next year, you're going to know about it. Mm -hmm. You know, if it was killed legally anyway. Yeah. Yeah, we've so, had a run-in with illegal uh, bucks up here this year. We actually, um, this is totally off topic, but just since you brought it up, they had, they just busted a huge poaching ring up in our neck of the woods. A bunch of actually miners that had been poaching deer and livestock over the last few years uh, finally got oh, wow. busted. I mean, they, I think a couple of years ago they had killed two like cows. Um, just, I mean, just 
just out in the middle of the night just killing cows or the trophy class deer um we had a probably a close to a 150 killed off of our new piece this year um, by that group but i mean it's just it was glad to see it um got get them taken down but it's unfortunate at the same time yeah yeah it definitely is especially because you know they just do it for the fun of it they just do it for the kill um yeah but unfortunately too here in pennsylvania just you know you hear about these stories and the consequences just never seem to be hard enough you know um, yeah i totally agree with that it's it's kind of discouraging you know the guys that are trying to do it right normally get the worst consequences um the people that have been doing this kind of stuff they just usually seem to get a slap on the wrist and off they go to do it again yeah so with i I mean i know you're no stranger to killing big uh mature whitetail npa um and then you know finding sheds like that do you find yourself hiding um that kind of information um just from like the locals and stuff just in fear of you know poaching or somebody stepping on your toes during hunting season absolutely yeah um Bow hunting uh, trophy deer around here is very competitive uh, because most of the land parcels are small. Um, yeah. So, I mean, seriously, it, it's, it's pretty sad, um, unfortunately. You know, if I have a piece, I, I've had buddies um, that knew I was hunting a piece. I mean, you know, if me and you, Nick, were hunting, a, uh, you know, if I knew you were hunting a piece, uh, I'm not going to go ask the landowner if I can hunt that, you know. Oh, um, yeah. It's... I've, I've had close friends do that to me and obtain permission on me. And, uh, you know, so that, yeah, that's I, I shitty. Tend to, uh, keep things secretive anymore. Uh, unfortunately, uh, yeah. I don't like to, you know, I, I want to talk about it. I want to share that kind of excitement with other people, you know, that want you to get that deer, but, uh, you know, I just can't do that too much around here. Yeah. I, mean, I we're in the same boat here. I know, uh, we all, if we have something really remarkable, you know, you pretty much keep your mouth sealed to, I know like me, Tom and Frank sitting here, we're pretty open about what we're um what we're after throughout the season but all three of us i mean me and tom hunt the same parcels but um frank doesn't really hunt with us and we're hunting in the same general areas but we don't hunt the same property and it's like a mutual respect thing if you're after a big deer we're not gonna you know i'm not gonna run over to your property and or ask yeah ask the neighbor if you know Mm -hmm. you can hunt there um i didn't realize you run into that with people you know down there too but unfortunately you know you have to keep your mouth shut until it's dead yeah, and then once it's dead, you know, people start saying, oh, yeah, you know, we had that buck on camera. And yeah. usually people are pretty cordial about sending trail camera pictures of the stuff they knew was around that they were kind of keeping quiet. Once it's dead, they're they're more than happy to give away their information after that. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, yeah even, I mean, the same thing uh, goes with the, with the property. I mean, uh, where me and Brad killed our bucks last year, uh, I mean, uh, out of this piece of land, this tract is – I was chasing one this year that was pushing 170, uh, biggest buck I've ever hunted. And, uh, I mean, this place, there was, you know, trucks up and down the dirt road every day, every single morning and every single night, nice and slow. You know, like, people, it, word gets out, and then it just it just turns into that kind of thing. Uh, so it becomes really difficult. Yeah, did you notice that the pressure picked up after you and Brad killed those bucks in the same season? Oh, absolutely, yeah, big, big time. Yeah, so I mean, it's, um, I, which, I mean, obviously the genetics are there, but I never totally understood that mentality because, like, that buck's dead. Um, but clearly, if you're chasing another one that size, yeah. But um, the neighbors, um, the neighboring property to us, um, it, it's a good group of guys, um, but they only ever rifle hunted until they found out that we had killed those bucks last year. And, um, 
which I'm not absolutely not discouraging them at all. Um, they picked up bow hunting. They wanted to get out there earlier once they knew that deer like that were running around, um, you know, which is their property. And I'm, I'm glad to see them getting into bow hunting, you know, um, but you know why they did it. You know, they were yeah. very excited to see deer like that running around. But I mean, it, you don't, these things don't fall out of the sky. The only way to let these deer get that big is by letting them get that big. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. So it definitely upped the pressure. Uh, deer were way more stingy this year around here. Um, it was it was a lot harder to hunt the property smart and safely. Um, it just was. It's just the way it is, and you kind of have to fight with it and hunt it smart. Uh, yeah. But it makes everything much harder for sure. Yeah, we I know we've learned to kind of keep it very generic when somebody asks, you know, where we killed something. Because that's like it seems like it's the first question um, when a good buck gets killed is people want to know where you shot it. And I know I. I keep it very general, like pretty much the the general town that it was killed in, because it just we we all hunt several different pieces and stuff, so nobody could nail down exactly what parcel we're on unless we told them specifically. Um, right. So we've kind of learned to just you know around here, like you know, like you know, we we're, we live in Erie County, but there's Edinburgh, Cambridge, McCain, Waterford, Union City. You know, we'll just give a generic, you know, town that's 27 square miles and kind of right. leave it at that. Just for that reason. I actually, um, that buck that I was telling you about, um, I saw him, I had an opportunity, well, I had I had an encounter with him the Monday after Halloween. Uh, after work, I found myself with a little extra time because uh, I went in early to come back and hunt. Uh, deer down here were starting to really chase hard then. Um, and I knew where he was, I knew where he wanted to be, so I got out there. And uh, within 15 minutes of getting in the stand, I had him at, 54 yards was the closest he came and uh i could have stuck an arrow in him uh but it wasn't the way i wanted it to happen yeah and 54 yards is a poke to be. and you know that would i i wouldn't forgive myself if a deer like that got away any deer you know for that matter. yeah but uh well that and just, i'm sure so I, I didn't shoot and i thought for sure i'd get the chance uh that night and i just never did and on the same night uh i passed a four-year-old uh uh 148 pointer and which ended up i i can't say it'd be a mistake i kind of have to play by my own rules you know i'm looking for a five plus year old deer and the one i was hunting was six or seven i mean he's just an, a huge old beat up scarred up deer um but you know in the process of that uh he broke his main beam uh this big one that i was hunting i saw him two days later on wednesday night with his right side broken off right past his g2 so just the other week, well, it was... Oh, I, I did see this part of your story. Yeah. Two, two weeks ago, uh, I went down to change the trail camera card, and on my way back out, I encountered, I saw a deer laying in the thick, uh, dead. And I kind of crouched down to look underneath of it, and uh, I could see the rack, so I crawled up in there to look. And uh, sure enough, there he laid dead, that 148-pointer that I had passed. Uh, he laid there dead. He got himself tangled up uh, in a tree while he was rubbing it, and then he he actually fell on his own G2 and G3 and impaled himself through the back. Uh, craziest thing I've ever seen for sure. Yeah, uh, But it just goes to show you, it was fresh too. It was no more than a week old. So uh, it just goes to show you that, you know, you pass these deer in hopes that they'll make it. Uh, they might make it all the way through archery. They might make it all the way through rifle, but it still doesn't mean they're going to live, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you're out there hunting your hunt, especially, I mean, when you've got a deer of that caliber and you've got them you know pinned down like you do it i don't know if i have the control to pass a 140 i I don't think i do 
Um, but I've never been in the game with a 170 class um, whitetail, especially in PA. That's pretty incredible. For yeah, you, you to... definitely don't see them very often in PA. No. Well, uh, I can tell you, seeing them both in the same frame at the same time, you know, 170 is a Well, you saw them at the same time? They were there at the same time. Yeah. Cool. And that thing. So, I mean, that makes it much easier to pass it. You know yeah. What I mean? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that thing looks just... dwarfed next to a monster like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And that's why when I found them, I'm like, wow, you were way bigger than I thought you were for a four year old. <laughs> uh, and then when I, when I scored them, he ended up coming into 140 and 6 eighths as just a typical eight pointer. I was like, ooh. That's a big that's frame. Impressive. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, yeah, but I ended up, I did also end up finding. Uh, about, I don't know, was that five days ago or something? Like, I'm sure you saw yeah, that too. Yep. Uh, that the broken end of the main beam from the one I was hunting. Yeah. Um, it was just an absolutely monstrous buck. I wish, I wish pictures did him a little more justice, but I mean, he's pushing 300 pounds and just mass and just an absolutely huge buck. Well, I was noticing, um, just with that picture you put at just the tip of the, the beam there, it almost seems like it has the same, uh, characteristics of Brad's buck. Um, from last year and I don't know if you guys you know maybe with characteristics that you guys obviously have more pictures than any of us have seen but like do you think that there's any relation between uh, those bucks I definitely do yeah I completely agree with you um, so the one that Brad shot he had a drop time coming off the end of his main beam uh, when he was in velvet as a five-year-old and uh, he had a twin uh, which we didn't know about until uh, our neighbor, who's a state trooper, he kind of spent some of his time on night shift, you know, out there with his light on his car. Um, <laughs> you know, he just likes to look for deer, too. Well, some, yeah. some people uh, speed down those back dirt roads. You know, you got to be there. Yeah, and about a mile and a half away, he saw this deer out in this field, and he's like, wow, it looks a lot like the one, you know, we're chasing just over here on our properties. Um, but the same night, we got a picture of that, the one that Brad killed, and, you know, you could see minor, minor differences. Um, but as far as, like, age and, you know, rack class, I mean, almost identical deer. It wow. was very, very close to being identical, just very, very minor differences. And I believe that they were twin fawns. Uh, that's my opinion on it. I think they were just born twin bucks, you know. And uh, so, you know, as far as most does around here are having two, fawns every year so i totally believe that it's possible that he was in relation somewhere um with you know brad's buck uh, i don't know you know of course i don't know that for sure but i agree with you though their characteristics were very very similar yeah i mean even just just the few inches that you had on that post like i it just to me my first thought as soon as i saw it was like wow that looks a lot like brad's buck from last year um, yeah so it's neat that you got that kind of uh genetics and sounds like you've definitely got the age structure in that area too which is probably one of the hardest things to do here in Pennsylvania is get that age Definitely. structure established uh, because you've got so many traditional uh, meat hunters in the state. For sure. Yep. And, you know, like I said on the last podcast, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but once you get that age class kind of thing rolling, um, it's very, it's, it's hard just to even maintain it. It really is. Um, you're passing gear that you didn't think you would pass, you know, like so this year. Uh, really just hoping, you know, just in case these other two big ones that I was chasing might happen to die, you know, at least I have him for next year. Um, if he would make it, you know, he would be the five-year-old that I'm looking for next year. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, but it's very hard to maintain. I was I was looking forward to picking up his sheds. Um, it just didn't work out that way. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Well, Luke, I don't want to 
keep you too too much longer um but wanted to thank you again for jumping on here and talking sheds because like i said we're we enjoy shed hunting but we're not really that good at it and definitely not in a position to give pointers um that's kind of why i wanted to bring you back on Um, yeah and i feel like most people that go out shed hunting are more like us they just kind of wander aimlessly so to talk to someone like you that actually lays out a plan and looks at maps and goes about it exactly like you're hunting this deer you're just hunting his sheds it's a really cool perspective to get yeah it's uh it's a lot of fun uh you can definitely learn so much about a particular deer too um you know you find a match set of shed somewhere a big deer that you're looking well start you know start wandering around that area stop looking for antlers necessarily and start looking what is this buck interacting with is he browsing right here in this area uh on certain plants is he rubbing on certain trees what's he doing uh if you can find his bed that's great you know like try and figure out learn a little bit about him um and then you know use that knowledge in the following season uh and see if it works out for you you know go back and just try and see if he's coming into that area hang cameras and you know um it can definitely work out to your advantage no doubt uh for both picking up his sheds and hunting that deer potentially if that's what you wanted to do good deal um, before I let you go, do you want to go ahead and uh, plug your Instagram and your YouTube channel? I know, tip, I don't know if you're working on any films to release here soon, but if you want to just go ahead and plug those for people just so they can find you. Uh, yeah, my YouTube is October's Obsession, and uh, same with my Instagram is October's Obsession, uh, but my personal account is uh, Luke Moyer, uh, period, 045. Um, there's definitely going to be shed hunting videos and lots of pictures to come this spring. I'm hoping it's a good one, as good as last year. Um, but before I wanted to go, I did want to say, too, um, as far as uh, set goals for yourself, too, during shed season, um, especially, you know, uh, fishing season comes up shortly after you're thinking about turkey season. And if you're shed hunting a lot, you're getting tired. Um, and you might even be getting discouraged if you're not finding as many. Uh, so it's important to set goals for yourself. Uh, give yourself something to look forward to. Set yourself up so that, um, you know, you have something to look forward to that weekend that you're going to go. Or, you, you know, Saturday's coming up. You're like, ah, I'm not sure if I even want to go. You know, set something for yourself that will excite you. Uh, watch, go on YouTube. Watch YouTube videos of it. Uh, get yourself pumped up for it. Um, because really all it takes is one second to turn your entire shed hunting day around. You could not find anything all day and then walk up on a 70-inch antler right there any minute you know so uh think about that a lot and just try and hype yourself up get yourself excited keep yourself motivated and it'll definitely you'll pick up more sheds because of that for sure all right thank you luke appreciate it not a problem thanks for having me on guys i appreciate it yeah no problem yeah thanks a lot for coming back on man yeah, we thanks, really appreciate, appreciate it, it. All right, absolutely we'll, we'll talk to you later buddy all right thank you all right guys that was uh Luke Moyer, of course, um, said he, he's the real deal when it comes to shed hunting. Um, and just hunting in general. And, and in general, yeah. That dude's chasing Midwest class whitetail NPA, and he's and it's not that he's just chasing them. He's having encounters. He's getting pictures. He's passing bucks that guys would dream of seeing yeah. NPA. Um, so make sure you guys go ahead and give his follow or his account some a follow. Uh, he's got plenty of good content. Um, and as we get ready for shed season, make sure you guys are getting outside.